You now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world, the Stay Woke Podcast, right here on thesonicbreakdown.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Stay Woke Podcast, presented by thesonicbreakdown.com. And you know this is D-Ray Brenton, host of the Stay Woke Podcast, and today is the day Kendrick Lamar dropped Damn. So you know this podcast has to be our first impressions of that album. I want to briefly just explain that why I've been calling these first impressions. I saw this uh, quote or I saw this video of Jay-Z explaining that you can't review an album in a day. And I agree with him. And I retweeted that saying that you can't really have a true review with just one day's worth of listen. Even if you listen to it, you know, several times in that day, you can't really get a real overall review because there's nuances, there's intricate aspects of the production and the lyrics that you're just not going to get with several listens. It has to sit with you and you have to build those connections and and understand why those connections made and how they clicked for you versus how they were um, written by Kendrick. It takes a little bit more time, I believe, in order to have a real true review. So this is just my first impressions on what I initially think of it. Because again, albums will change and mold and, and you'll peel out and, and parse out several different ideas ideologies that you might not have heard before like the same thing with the joey badass i'm peeling even more layers in that album than i did last week so again so this is just a first impression as you know the album came out today there is let's see 14 tracks it's about 55 minutes long and it's a very different approach on this album you can hear it in the production you can hear it in in his uh the content you can hear it in the, the way he's choosing to flow over the production. One of the things that I took is in To Pimp a Butterfly, there's a very funk, layered, complex, detail, uh, not not necessarily more detail, but it's very just more complex um, than this album. This album feels a little bit more stripped down, more bare, more raw. Not to say that they both don't have the emotional content in them. There's that difference between the albums just sonically. The album starts out with blood. Let me go back to the title for a second. There was a guy, Marcus Arnold, he follows us on Instagram and we follow him on Instagram as well. And he stated that the title is in the biblical aspect of damned to be condemned by God to suffer eternal punishment in hell. And uh, so that aspect of it gives you a different approach than just the emotion of of damn is and like, wow, I wasn't expecting that, which you can still get. But the first track is called Blood and the the harmony gives there's a harmony that gives like an 80s feel. And Kendrick begins by telling us what he saw walking one day and sparked this, the, the concept for this album where the, the ideology and the, the theme behind what he's talking about and led him to this journey. And that is him uh, seeing a, a blind woman struggle to, to pick up or to find something. Uh, one of the things that I that, that I took from this is that his willingness uh, to help somebody invokes uh, that no good deed goes unpunished or that you know, that people take advantage of the, the, or they see it as a weakness if you're kind, caring, considerate, and people exploit and manipulate those, those, and because they see it as a weakness that had me questioning, I think maybe Kendrick was on the same page, is questioning why is that a weakness? Why is that something that should be taken advantage of, that should be manipulated, is seen as a negative when it should be seen as a positive, being willing to help somebody, being selfless. Also, in um, Blood, the, again, the production is more stripped down and there's a last section after you take all that into account of what I was saying earlier about questioning um, the weakness of a kind weakness as a kindness, kindness as a weakness, excuse me. And then there's uh, the last section points to the some criticism or not the last line, but there's a last uh, snippet that they took from the Gerardo Rivera 
commenting on his line in To Pimp a Butterfly. Fly, they want to kill us dead in the streets for a show, that line, and that they were criticizing it and saying that it's shameful in that regard. Um, if you watch the full clip, that's, that's what they go into more detail and intimate. Here, they just play that clip and it gives the impression that he's he hears it and he's taking it in and this might be a response to to that and to things of that nature. The the whole feel of this this beginning track has a like a Quentin Tarantino kind of movie cinematic feel. And and the album has that kind of feel as if you're if it's in that kind of movie where there is so much different types of emotion, highs, lows, loves, outs. And then you get to the last track and it kind of hits you with the ultimate story in essence. But I'll, I'll go into more detail of, of that information a little later as well. So DNA. Uh, DNA is the next track. And there's a very nice bass line that's more reminiscent of a Mad City track um, from Good Kid Mad City. Uh, or the Mad City track off of Good Kid Mad City. And basically K-Dot is saying that we're, we're all complex. We all have duality. And this album touches on a lot of duality between almost in every song, I, I believe, as well as in the, to me, the whole theme of this, this album and possibly a double album, um, which I'll go into more detail at the end. But basically, yeah, K-Dot is saying that, you know, we're all complex creatures. We all are multifaceted and multilayered, intricate uh, beings that, you know, have good sides, have bad sides and, and are trying to find the balance and, and, and navigate through that. DNA is uh, produced by um, Mike Will Made It. It makes sense why K dot pick that beat is very it's it's that beat slaps that beat is a banger so the, the all the tr all the production on this is very very good some I like more than others but DNA is definitely a standout track production wise as well as uh, the content of what he's saying but the second half of the track switches and you get Cornrow Kenny and and he comes in and, he, and he's not taking no prisoners he's going in he's going hard and he's and he's not he he's just really going in the the next album yeah it's kind of like in essence, like blah, 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 like people are talking, people are talking and just people like to talk or that Jerry Seinfeld line from the album, the album about nothing with Wale, where he says people like to talk, so let them talk. It's kind of that's kind of the, the inference that I'm taking from this track. It is a very more moody feeling track and about the like the outside world's um, impact on real on his reality, the difference that it has now versus before and and how he's kind of working in that world of being such a celebrity where people are talking about you all the time how to deal with that and is it worth responding to is it worth not responding to is it worth going at niggas heads like what is what's the real path to, to do it in the best way and he's kind of getting in on that and it, it, he also feel it also feels like he's he's taking shots at, at other artists other rappers saying that you know a lot of people are talking but there's no substance behind it there's no real realness behind it they just talking to talk with without again having or they're talking and not realizing the impact that their words have or the strength that they have and so you should maybe put in more work when you know you have that big of an impact going into our politics like i said before is what i was worried about with trump is not understanding the 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 weight of your words and you can't just say things you have to be meticulous and diligent and and methodical in the words that you're choosing when you have that platform, because your words can be the difference between life and death, uh, war and non-war in, in President Trump's case. And so I think he's kind of touching on that is in here as well. He does get political in this album. I think, what is it, on on Humble, uh, where he, he goes in with that. On the, the following, the following song uh, is Element. And 
there's a this one has a smooth it's a more smooth Kendrick Lamar with a sophisticated hard-hitting production with content that gives an arrogant blunt braggadocious feel but not in a in a in a it's in a braggadocious way but still in in the content but the the way that he's flowing over the production and over the those words is smooth so it's a kind of a a contradiction in in that which is which I find pretty nice and that's it's kind of something that I spoke on with uh, Isaiah Rashad Sylvia demo what I liked about him is he had hard-hitting production or he has softer production and he was just going so aggressive here the the production and the smoothness of Kendrick go together but the words is just so aggressive it also feels like he's saying in in uh elements rather there's feels like he's rapping like he's rapping in a Drake type of uh, uh flow on a Drake type of production as well as taking shots at Drake all at the same time on this production. So I have no proof of this. This is just my conjecture. The overall conclusion that I get from this project is that he wanted, he wanted to let everybody know in the rap game, all of his competitors, that he's not letting them take him off his spot. He's going to stay on his spot regardless. And he's not losing his cool. He's just explaining the flow. And it's just so laid back. I can see this being like a summer anthem just because of the vibe that it has, uh, the coolness of it. And then there is uh, some juvenile homage with uh, the last verse or the last towards the last the the end of the track where he goes, huh? The flow pattern is very similar to juveniles. Following that is feel. It starts off with several people saying no one's praying for me, giving a somber, melancholy atmosphere. And then there's a Jazzanova type drum pattern with other elements that make it more hip hop and a contemporary sounding production. It's reminiscent of a track or um, some some production on Untitled Unmastered in the feel. And it just feels like on this album that they fully fleshed it out into a complete concept to go with what he's talking about. And we review that album, Untitled Unmastered, on the thesoundandbreakdown.com under the breakdown page. So uh, you can check that out. That's where we talk about that kind of sound on, on sections of that. Here, Kendrick just dumping all of his emotions that he might have been afraid to say out loud because we know how society and people are, especially it seems nowadays that some people are more sensitive or that the culture is more sensitive as a whole. And we all have those feelings of, you know, if you say it, it's going to hurt somebody's feeling, but that's the honest truth of how you feel about it how you, or how you don't feel about something, whatever. And so you hold it in or you rearrange how you say it. Here is just saying Kendrick is just basically giving all those raw emotions out with no filter, no holding back. But it's still not malicious. He's not saying it to hurt if somebody were to hear it to hurt their feelings. But he's saying what he truly feels. And because there is a difference, you can say something to hurt somebody's feeling intentionally do it. It sounds like here, some of the things that he says are things that would hurt somebody's feelings if they did hear it. And if it was about them. But again, he's not saying it maliciously to do that. And so that's something that usually doesn't fit in our social norms. That, again, is the freedom that art gives you is and other avenues. It gives you that freedom to say those things in a safe space, sort of like there. And. The reason why he feels like he has the liberty to do it is because nobody's praying for him. So nobody cares what he says or if he says it. So he he's just going to speak his mind. And I think it was a very real project or a real track. I feel he executed it well and those emotions are felt and can resonate with people. Um, like I said, a lot of us or everybody knows that feeling of wanting to say something, but you don't want the repercussions of how it's said. And then that track kind of bleeds into loyalty which makes sense of 
And and the order of this album also makes sense as well. And everything's in capitals. I just want to say that as well. Just like in Joey's where it's kind of yelling at you to make you pay attention. Loyalty is the song that he has with Rihanna. And it has, to me, like a hood usher type of production. Um, and again, like I said, it make it will make sense because of Rihanna. You have an R&B singer that has that kind of sexual, sensual sound. Which again, if you believe K-Dot and Drake are having a beef or had a beef, um, what's more savage than taking shots at him on your album, talking about him with Riri and speaking on loyalty, which people have said that Drake isn't loyal, he's fake, he's opportunistic, uh, things of that nature. And again, I don't really feed into or read that stuff, so I'm not abreast on all of that. I'm more into the music, but since the music is talking about it, that's what it seems like it, it, it might he might be alluding to that as well. But the the concept of the the song is basically just loyalty. Where does your loyalty lie? Who does it lie in? And how easily is it broken or how easily is it swayed? And, you know, that is important. I think um, loyalty, loyalty is multi-layered because, you know, where they say blood is thicker than water, but then sometimes family can do you wrong and your friends might have your back more than that. So who would your loyalty lie in that situation? Should it lie in your family? Should it lie in your friends that had your back in that situation? And I'm just playing devil's advocate. So just, and just to highlight how loyalty can be multi-layered and it's just not black and white that you should be loyal to, you know, they say loyalty to a fault. So that that means there is some flaws and there is some levels and and aspects of the spectrum that loyalty might not be favorable. So they they can really flush that out. And it's a nice track. Uh, I can see it being probably another single. It has that single type of feel. And I mean, yeah, it's it's a cool vibe. The last line that Rihanna says, uh, she talks about being humble. And then the next track is pride. So it kind of, again, bleeds into this one saying or leading the content to lead you into this and how loyalty can uh, how pride and being humble affects can affect loyalty as well um they don't really speak on it but to me that's what that's kind of alluding to with the next track being pride the production kicks in and it has a van hunt from the from the van hunt album kind of feel that came out in 2004 that album i really enjoy that album as well but this track has that kind of feel with underlying vibes of that are that come in after we're warned that love will kill us and pride will be the death of us all Kendrick kind of alters his voice throughout the song to help the trippy effect. They alter it enough so that it's not gimmicky and it doesn't just feel like uh, we did that just for for just this effect. It adds to the song and it's done just enough so that it adds to the tones and the layers and it hits the right production cues to make the song more dynamic. And it's not overly done, it's not underly used, and they have a they have a real nice touch with it. Kendrick touches touches on his pride and how it's affecting others because it might be stopping him from being able to be there emotionally, physically, and mentally because his pride is so big that it's allowing him to do other things and and not see others that need him or that he used to be there for, which is something that maybe we we all can't relate to because we haven't been in the star status that he has been or even close to that but we all do understand how time trying to go for our careers go for the things that you love if you're a basketball player practicing all the time that you kind of neglect your family and your friends 
baseball, whatever your profession is, when you're trying to be great at something, you tend to sacrifice the time that you have. And that can be your pride of the pride in what you have of what you're doing, not necessarily the pride in yourself, but that's also tied into that. So pride can be can be taken to very different levels as well. And again, all of this is just our first impressions of the album. I haven't listened to it enough to really grasp all the details, um, but that's some of the, the areas that I think he was taking it there. Pride is followed by humble, which again makes perfect sense because if uh, and goes in with that Rihanna line that of being humble affecting your pride there, there's a balance between that you can still be have pride but also be humble but if one if that balance isn't there again the duality if the balance isn't there and you lead too far to one side that can stop you from being humble or being too humble can stop you from having any pride so you have to have that balance and i'm not going to talk too much about humble because that was the single that was released and you all heard it we all have uh Basically, there's been so much put out there already about it. And, you know, uh, I think that's been covered. So we're going to move on to Lust, which is the next track. And that has a underwater, like, heartbeat feel as the sound oscillates from the left to the right headphones. And this is something that he did on um, on You from To Pimp a Butterfly. Kendrick is using a, a Bilal mixed with a D'Angelo twist on his vocals, which gives a very sensual feel. To, to I guess to fit and it fits with that underwater heartbeat production he expands upon lust and not just like the sexual desires but the things that we also lust after so it's, it's just not uh the you know lusting for a woman for a woman a man you know the other whatever you're you're attracted to sexually but also the things that we're attracted to he also talks about water, which is a reference that he used in Good Kid, Mad City, if you remember, about being thirsty and, and needing uh, the blood of Christ to kind of refresh you. This album has has tons of religious references throughout it, it but it doesn't feel preachy. He also talks about uh, the election and the feelings with that and in that. He talks about lusting over the fame and the contradictions of what you lust for and your values or your beliefs. Love is the next track, which makes sense after lust and and comparing love or lust. What would you have? We talk about that on the relationship podcast as well as brother and love podcast about determining love and lust. So check that out on this track. Basically, it gives me a kind of a trap soul, a problem from black, that type of feel of a trap R&B feel with Zachariah. And Zachariah has nice vocals. It fits the production nicely. And uh, I will say it's not one of my favorite tracks on the album. And maybe it just has to grow on me. Maybe you have to di- dig in deeper with it. But initially, I was, it's, an, it's like I said, it's not a bad album. I mean, a bad track, but it's, it's, it's just not my favorite off of the 14 tracks. Then you have Triple X. On Triple X, that has the YouTube feature. And when you initially hear the production and the sound, you're like, where is YouTube going to fit on this? And the beginning has a 80s layer with a trap bass line with interesting breaks that remind me of like N.W.A. and a Beastie Boys kind of smash up. And then this track definitely had me saying like, damn, for real, like, damn, because of what he's speaking to, how the production is done. He, he speaks on how how as people of color, black people in particular, how we're resilient and also the the idea of of if somebody messes with your family or messes with you like that feeling of I will do anything if somebody messes with my family like if somebody 
even touched my grandmother, spoke to my grandmother in a harsh manner. I, I, I can I can see myself feeling the rage of, oh, they going down because that's your family and you want to protect them with everything you have because of the love they have for you and the love you have for them. And that not quite being the proper you know thing to do, the right thing to do, that that's not how we should feel. We should, you know, be logical and say, well, let's assess how how this happened, what happened, what was the conditions, but that blind rage of somebody messes with your family, you're going to take that out. And then he juxtaposes that when he, because there's a break in the production and he says, now we're going to go to the convention and we're going to talk about gun control. But he's just talking about killing somebody if they mess with your family and not having a problem going to the court, going to the jail, turning yourself in saying, yeah, I did it and I'm proud. And then, like I said, going to, the conference to talk about gun control and that's when you hear you two come in and you're bono i really enjoyed the second part of the this this track or this song as well because of the way that the production changes and the the use of the organ it just gives a more an introspective feel as he unravels his viewpoints on gun control and how america views black people as well as that guns kill everybody. They kill the rich, they kill the poor, they kill white, they kill black, they kill every color, every race, every creed. So we need to do something. Fear follows that. And it has, fear has a very soulful feel from the keys to the vocal layers. When the gar- guitar hits, ooh, it hits you in your soul. There's sections that sound as if Kendrick is speaking in tongues and that complements the religious tone they begin the song with a verse from Deuteronomy's as a deep voice person asks God questions from a a solemn a solemn a viewpoint and Kendrick is speaking from a parental mindset in the verse of what might say is a stereotypical black parent or the, a parent that believes in corporal punishment of you know you do anything wrong you're going to get a whooping you embarrass me you're going to get a whooping Wh- whatever it is you're going to get a whooping that is your punishment and putting installing that fear in them the fear in you that if you do something wrong consequence will be me and there's no nobody worse to fear than me that kind of goes to the religious uh tone as well Well, it doesn't kind of it does uh spare the rod spoil the child as well as to have a fear in god just taking on that word depending on how you see the word as fear is can be why would you want to fear something that you love so it touches on that on on the corporal punishment aspect as well is I was raised by a mom that that did that that, that you know I got whoopings <laughs> I still loved my mom I still love my mom she passed away but um, my grandmother she beat me too well give me whoopings I say and I still love her and so he he's just touching on that and that's in the first first verse then there's uh tambourines that that add a slight there's a layer of there's tambourines that add slight punches to the lines at certain parts of his verses and his last verse or a later verse Kendra speaks of the fears that he had from losing money losing creativity that fear of not how what happens if i i can't rap anymore in essence what happens if i can't do this anymore what happens if i if i lose all my money what happens if this this and this your worst possible fears and he also touches on the fear of death a lot of people most people have that fear of death and so just him taking it there is interesting i read a couple of years ago that thought he thinks about i don't know if he still does but he used to think about death a lot and and how he would die things of that nature this gives me indication that he might still be thinking about death this touches on that immensely after 
fear he has god so you know the fear of god or fear in god depending how you want to phrase it or how you want to word it and so again the execution of this album is well done um and that's why some people are saying they think it's a mixtape or it has a mixtape sound to me it doesn't have a mixtape sound it has a very finished sound um but i'll get again i'll get into more of that in the overall impression but the way that the tracks laid out the way that the production is laid out the content it all shows the meticulous detail of it all has a purpose and it all goes together and it's there's a there's many visions as well as the overall picture of how they wanted to fall out god has a sophisticated trap love beat an infusion of love in the way that the production is 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 laid out to give those emotions and so i'm i'm assuming that that is trying to give the impression of love in god love of god whatever that god might be in the production as well as how he's writing the beat as well as the flow this to me sounds kind of like a future song uh <laughs> it sounds like a future song but done better with more substance and i know i'm going to get a lot of people out there saying i'm hanging on future i'm not i'm just saying to me that's the comparison that i see between a future doing this song and a kendrick doing this song and to me it also speaks to the diversity that kendrick has of the ability to switch up his flow switch up his style switch up the sound but still maintain providing content. And this to me, it seems like he's pointing fingers, not pointing fingers, but uh, to me, this song, it kind of, it feels as if it's kind of like a parody of of what everybody is doing today. Because it, it, to me, it also has a Post Malone feel in in the way that it's laid out, the, the, the melodical aspects of it. It sounds like he's saying, he's comparing God to money and he when they go, uh, this is how much, how God feels when he's talking about going to the bank and the money flossing flexing and again i might need to listen to the song more to get other meanings but that's what it sounds like is if he's saying you all talking about the you know your money your love the the love for money jewelry cars clothes expensive things and that's become the new idol the and the bible says thou shalt not worship false prophets or false false idols and this is kind of like he's speaking to that, that the way that we treat these things, these materialistic things, these superficial things, we're treating it as if it's a God because of how we worship it, how we spend much time talking about it, how much time we spend thinking about it, how much time we spend showcasing it. All those things that we do with those materialistic, superficial things, that it has become a God in our society. And is that really what we want? Is that is that how things should be is that is that acceptable questioning that not saying you know whoever does that is wrong whoever does that is right more questioning that and and kind of shining a light on it that is followed by to me the best song on the album duckworth ninth wonder ninth wonder ninth wonder ninth wonder that's all i gotta say man if you don't know about him by now i don't know what to tell you because uh the man keeps coming with it it keeps coming with it um it's it's a haunting banger uh the drums grip you in let me break it down this way the on duckworth there's multiple samples multiple production layers multiple drum patterns in three different sections three maybe even four it goes together seamlessly that it still makes sense that it's one track but you definitely get taken on a journey and that's what stories are supposed to do and then when you add that on top of Kendrick Lamar's verses, taking you on that journey even further, it's the perfect storm. 
like I said, the production tells the story on its own. If you took out Kendrick's lyrics and you just played the production, you can feel you. there's an emotional turn and changes through the production. And then again, when you add, like I said, Kendrick's verse on top of that, of the story. And then if you just take the story on the face value of what he's saying, the, the, the story itself, the, you know, the beginning, the middle, the end, that's nice. Then you take on to the fact of how he tells this story. It's not just, you know, beginning, middle, end, the, the chapters in this story with, again, it's only one song, the way that he lays it out, it feels like a complete story or a complete movie. It feels like a, like, again, a Quentin Tarantino thriller. Like we're watching a movie unfold and there's you kind of have an idea of the predicting of the end but you're not quite sure and when you even when you do know you still want to hear it to the end to find out to, to, to hear how it completes again just because of how well it's done creatively they just did they outdid themselves it's a very good it's a very good track it's a complete story and that i that you're going to want to listen over and over again it's I'll give a portion of it because I still want you definitely need to listen to it. But it's basically Kendrick Lamar explaining how if things were different, kind of like passengers on a train or things of that nature. But it's basically saying if things were a little bit different, if top made one different decision, if my dad made one different decision or that we might not be here listening to this album right now. We might not get this track, Ducksworth, which is Kendrick's father's name, Kenneth Duckworth. We might not get this track. Again, it's, it's a real complete track. Now, let me break down this overall project f- for you guys. So like I told you about the, the Bible meaning of condemned as meaning damn for the title. There's so many religious uh, references, tones, qualities, even just the topics and themes, love, lust, pride, loyalty, fear, obviously God. All of those things are religious, um, religious subjects or can be religious subjects um, def- depending on your focus. But this is nothing new to Kendrick Projects. He's always had religious tones, religious ideas, um, ideologies throughout all of his projects. Section uh, Section 80, Dupember Butterfly, Good Kid, Mad City, even uh, Overly Dedicated. So this is nothing new. But I feel like, again, I feel like he keeps his religious beliefs, but he's not preachy. He speaks his mind, but he doesn't force it on you. So that's something that I do like because... I'm not the most religious person in the world. I'll say I'm more spiritual than religious, but I've been, I'm very abreast in religious ideologies. Album also deals with duality as well as full circle. The first line in the, about him going to the, taking the walk and seeing the lady, the blind woman ends the track. So it gives you that that full circle idea as well. The album has a very nostalgic feel with Kid Capri coming on there, but Kid Capri also pulls me away from the tracks um, some. It kind of, it does make it, give it more of a mixtape feel. So it kind of pulls me away instead of really just like being engulfed in that world and staying in that world. He pulls me out with those, those lines. Uh, some people that I do want to mention are, are that are on this track that are worth mentioning. Uh, Thundercat with the bass on feel. Kamazi Washington on Lust. Plays the strings on Lust. And then you got Kataranda doing some vocals on Lust. Steve Lacey from... Uh, the internet on pride and of course you got anna wise uh, dna was mixed produced by will uh mike will made it all the tracks are mixed by mixed by ali you know the in-house tde producer and mike will made it did humble as you know uh soundwave did yeah soundwave also did element and then you got or this person 
Beacon, B-E-K-O-N. I'm not sure who that is. They've been featured on a, a lot of the productions here. Soundwave did Feel. Loyalty was Soundwave. Pride was Steve Lacey. He did some of the production on there. And then, and then of course, you got Ninth Wonder on Duckworth. And then Alchemist did Fear. That's, that's, that makes sense why, why I really enjoy that track as well. Like I said, I think this is a very good track. I think, or a very good album. I think our project. I think it is going to be considered another classic. Is I see high replayability. It has a definitely, definitely different feel than Two Pember Butterfly. It's more Good Kid, Mad City than Two Pember Butterfly, but it's still not uh, Good Kid, Mad City. It it has a different vibe, but it's closer in in sound, but still different. Um, so he's showing you the diversity. A part of this for me makes me feel like he he this album is him saying Kendrick saying I can do what you do Drake I can do what you do Big Sean I can do fill in the name here I can do that too and I can do it better and I can do it with content with some thought provoking content I've told people before about why I can't really some of those artists like I'm not gonna put out names but just some of the trappy production where it just vibes. I can't really get with because yeah, the beat might be nice, but if you're not saying nothing that I can't resonate with, that I can't relate to, and you're just saying words just to say words, I can't, I, I can't just write off vibes for a complete album. Now a song here and there, yeah, okay, but a complete album, I can't. Just for me personally, I can't. So therefore, I would need content, and to me, that's what Kendrick was kind of saying here, as well as the religious tone. And as well as the idea of duality. The other aspect that some people are saying that this is a two album project, that the second half of it will be released on Monday. A part of me doesn't think that's the case because originally it was supposed to come out on April 7th. And if that was the case, it wouldn't fit that what they're saying is the three days for Jesus to resurrect. And that's why he did it on Friday. It will come out on Monday. That religious tone will kind of fit up. But if that was the original idea, then if they did it last week, it wouldn't have fit that. So did they change it? So again, it just, there's some questions that come up with that about why would they initially say the the release date was the 7th if that was their first idea? So maybe it is and they just thought about it was like, oh, you know, no, it would be better if we did it that way. I don't know. But I do think it was good that they did wait because I think Joey Badass's album would have been overlooked. And I think they're both very good albums. I think they're both classics. I think they both will be considered classics after some time has been gone. But I think people would have overshadowed Joey just because Kendrick's Kendrick. Joey's is worth a listen. Joey's is very, that All American Badass is a very good album. You should definitely listen to that. And it's way different than this, but they both, like I said, deserve to be listened to. They both have excellent content, are executed very well, sound great. The other aspect of the prediction is that blood on the first track is red. So the red and the blue pill is something that was tweeted out prior and was on a track before as well. And so again, it would go with that duality of red and blue. He's always picking both sides that they would have another album coming out on Monday that would probably the first track be something with the, with blue in it. I got this from a guy on Instagram and it's been flowing around Twitter for a while. I don't know where he got it from, but I just want to give him a shout out because I believe if you get information and it's not your original information or your idea, give the credit to the person I got it from. And I, uh, the name of him is hip that's H I P dot hop. H-O-P dot shit. S-H-I-T on Instagram. Find him, follow him, like him. Uh, let him know that, you know, I'm giving him his credit. 
so again, so they said that, you know, the three days where Jesus was erected in three days is Easter weekend. That would fit that the religious theme as well. And that the the next that album is going to be called Nation, which would be you put damn nation together. You get damnation, which fits that whole idea of uh, the Bible reference of uh, meaning to be condemned by God for suffering eternal punishment in hell. Damnation, <laughs> you know, definitely fits that. And they also some of the visuals that they took from the album is damn over Kendrick's head as he's looking down uh, kind of the M has a horned look as if it's the devil. And then if they did the same thing with him and it's a nation and he's, his head is under nation, it would be a halo complementing the duality so that this album is kind of like the him being damned. And then the second part would be the resurrection and it'd be more, I guess the lighter version because this album is darker. The The whole theme, the whole, the, the sound on this whole album is, is darker, more, I won't say gritty, but it is, is darker, more, de- I won't say depressing, but, Again, gloomier, heavier in feel and sound. And so maybe Nation will be lighter, uplifting in sound to, again, for that duality, which would be a pretty, pretty dope idea, pretty awesome concept. The other thing that came to my mind after listening to this album is the whole Rick Rubin interview and where he's asked, Rick Rubin asked Kendrick if he could, does he be able to make a non-rap album? And Kendrick said, yes, this album makes me feel that he could. Not that I didn't think before, but it makes me feel that he could just because the sounds, the way he's using his voice is so different on each track. And it just shows, again, the diversity that he has that I think he can make an R&B album if he wanted to and not really sing. You know, if if he wanted to be more poppy, he could. I think, you know, it just it just shows that he could make a different type of album other than rap or hip hop if that's where he kind of fell into or, you know, his his heart desired just because he has the talent and skills. But he also puts in the work, and so that makes it a different as well. And one of the last question, questions that I'll leave out for, for everybody out here in the you know the audience, and you guys to leave a comment, let me know first, let me know about what you think about the album, what's your favorite track, what's your favorite song, or yeah, what's your favorite song, what's your favorite production, if you think this is better than his other two albums, his other two studio albums, Good Kid, Mad City, To Pimp a Butterfly, or even Untitled Unmastered, or section 80 or overly dedicated any of them and but the question that i had is is the woman that he encounters with in the beginning and the end is that woman god or the devil again i'll leave that for you and if he comes out with nation on monday you know we will release an emergency podcast i'll call it on monday or tuesday to give you our impressions and maybe that question that i just asked will be answered and now we're going to take some calls from one of our listeners and he's gonna let us know his opinion and we're just gonna talk to him for a minute so we got they woke podcast listener on the line we got brandon so we're gonna get his uh input on the album so man what'd you think about the album honestly um with my first impression of the album i was completely confused (laughs) um but that was that's normally how i feel with almost every album i've listened to kendrick he throws you for a loop some time after after i listened to it and after my second listen, I completely got everything he wanted you to understand on this album. What is what is your take on this album? Well, I think one thing that was like made apparent was I think our the last album, definitely the last album, Butterfly, was a very pro-black album and very uplifting to artists and to black people as a whole. But I think this album was more of a it was more of 
an introspective album on the fact that we have different we have different like feelings like whether it be um with loyalty pride humble like just the the simple words that he uses for his titles yeah just understanding that there's like a bigger picture to just those simple things like being humble um like with all of his rich his his fame and riches it's hard for him to be humble exactly he has pride in himself also but there's things like he has to find a way to balance it exactly i don't know if you hear that i'm so sorry no, he. I I, I definitely yeah. agree. I I think what you what you speak what you're speaking on is the duality that he he's touching on of of that balance of, like I said um, prior, you didn't get to hear, but you'll hear when I release the the podcast is, you know, having the ability to to have pride but be humble. If you have too much pride, yeah. you, there's no way you can be humble. But if you're too humble, you can't have pride. So having that balance between the two. And the way that they have the tracks laid out of love, lust, then love, pride, then humble. Also, to me, speaks to that duality of, you know, understanding that balance and trying to maintain that balance. And he's even having troubles understanding and and maintaining that balance. Yes, I completely agree with you on that. Definitely. What do do you think about the the production? Because it's like you said, it's very this album content wise is different than To Pimp a Butterfly, but also the production and the, the signing properties are a lot different to me. It's more stripped down, I take it. Um, the, the production is a lot more um, digestible for the casual listener. Mm-hmm. I remember the last album, I know I keep going back to that album, but a lot of people were confused about the jazz influences in it um, and the funk elements, but I think he did a very good job. His team did a very good job at making it digestible for the entire public to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the tones that these beats in production that it gives to all the songs, whether it be angry, whether it just be just sit down and listen to this, whether it be like love like mm-hmm. on the actual song, love, like it gives you the production gives you those feelings that you want, that he wants you to feel. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. What do you think about, did you hear the, the idea that there might be a, another album? Like this is a double album and the second half of it will be released on Monday. I was hoping, I was really hoping you would ask me that. Um, I actually did see that coming through, like through the rumor mill of Twitter and all that stuff. Um, I agree with a lot of it, just because if you listen, if you actually go back to the hard part four, he actually throws a lot of subtle mm-hmm. insight, um, whether it be his line where he, he goes from a classic to another classic, like when he comes back with it. Yeah, exactly. I see a hint at and coming with something else after that. And I also saw that the, about the damnation, the second half being nation. And if he does that, I do think it will be a very lighter album. I think because this to me, this album is darker in in tone. Yeah, and I think the nation one would have to be lighter just to combat and, and complement the duality that he keeps on pushing through. There's um, OK, there's one thing about that theory that I only i disagree with a little bit i don't know if it's going to be called nation i think it might be called god and it might be goddamn mm. um because there's i keep on going back to that song but the heart part three he makes a hint that god is coming back and it might be that god is coming back on the album like the title will be called god mm. that is I, I I didn't think about that, I, and I didn't see the that God, but that's a good point. And it would still fit the 
the M as the the horns of the devil for damn, and then the O in God being the halo. The O, yeah, as being the halo, yeah. So mm, that that and and it being Easter, but the the thing that I said that kind of makes me kind of think that this might not be the case is because remember when he said on about everybody thought the album was supposed to be on April seventh last week. Yes. If that was the case, it wouldn't fit that three-day resurrection idea. You know what I'm saying? If they did the Friday, Monday last week in comparison to this week. So if they knew to have this kind of concept for this album, it's not something you just do last minute. They've been thinking about this yeah. and been putting this in, in, in the works for a while. That if you thought it was going to come out on the 7th and then push it to the 14th because it fit that that religious thing. like I, f- I just feel like they would have thought about that already and said, no, the day's going to be the 14th. The second one will be the Monday. You know what I mean? Yeah, I completely. Yeah, I'm, I actually want to know why it was actually pushed back. Um, I don't know if that was planned or anything. Like, if it was just planned for us to know the release date. Yeah. But yeah, um, because I, I actually would love to know um, the theory on that, and I really want to know what TOC means. I want to ask him personally what TOC means. Yeah, somebody said the other color. That's what I read. Is that that stands for the other color? So how the first track on uh, Damn is blue or blood, that the other color would be yeah. blue. So the red and the blue pill. I mean, that would be that would be amazing. Like, come on now. <laughs> There's so many levels, so many, so many ways you can think about it. So it's that. But that's the great thing about music is it, it gives you that 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 room to parse it down. Yeah. The other question that I wanted to ask you is in the, the concept of. Of him moving it from the seventh to the fourteenth, do you think that helped or hurt him and Joey? Um, in terms of uh, of people just like people just digesting I it. I said for people just digesting it because I think if you release both of them on the same day, you there's you're not gonna digest both. <laughs> you you're gonna some you're gonna pick one or the other, and then the other one's gonna put 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 on the back burner until you're done with digesting yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah and so to me because what i said earlier on the podcast is that i think that it would have been a disservice to joey's fans and to joey's music because i think both albums are really good i think both albums should be listened to and heard but if i think kendrick would have outshined joey even though i don't think the album necessarily outshines joey they're different yes you know they're they're really they're both really good but they're different but I think if if they were released on that same day, we would all just be talking about Kendrick and yeah. Joy, Joy wouldn't have got his shine. And I think that album deserves the shine that it did get and that it will sh- that it should continue to get. Yeah. Did you? And get we want to we want to make sure we enlighten all like both messages because they're both important to what's going on in the world right now. So exactly, exactly. What did you? What is your favorite track of the album so far? Um. I don't want to say the basic answer and say DNA. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of people think that's their favorite track um, just from their first listen. Uh-huh. But my favorite track actually is probably Lust. Oh. Um, um, and I, the one thing that like first gets me at the beginning is just, he says, I need some water. Like, I need some water. Yep. Like, oh my God. He just sets it off like that. And then he recycles off it three times go into his flow yeah i mean 
That's just how I like Kendrick. That's the thing. I took that reference of the waters, and it reminded me back to Good Kid, Mad City with uh, the Maya Angelou, the thirsty. Yeah. And yeah. so, so, and then that also still fits in with that religious theme of of just of of God. And so I was like, that was interesting. My, I'll say mine is Duckworth, just because the storytelling, man, like. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Man, and Ninth Wonder with that production, like I said, that production tells a story on its own. If you take out Kendrick's verse and you just play the production, you get emotional range and depth. And then you add yeah. his verse on, it's it's it, it, it adds so much. It's a beat switch up. Yeah. It goes into, like, the result of everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, and and that, that M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> twist, I was like, oh. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, for a second, I was like, okay, I, I get where he's going, I, I get it, but, and then with that twist, I was like, oh, that to me, that song's gonna have so much high replayability for a storytelling song. Yeah. So, uh, the last thing I want to ask you before I, I let you get out of here is the woman in the beginning and at the end. Is that my the question that that I formed after hearing it was, is she God or the devil or is she either? I think, I honestly think that the woman at the beginning is Lady Justice. Oh, see. Because um, if you actually look at the statue of Lady Justice, she's blindfolded, mm-hmm. and the lady is blind. Mm-hmm. So that's what I got from it. Um, and I just, I actually only know that she's Lady Justice because I was actually, I learned that in one of my classes recently. Mm. Um, but I think that's her. Like, I think it's just Justice. Like, Lady Justice killed her, or killed him. At the beginning, and then, mm. that's, see, yeah, I, I, that's 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 a good, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Because I didn't, because when I when I heard it, I didn't even take it to that. I took it as, like I said, of of God of, and the reason why I took it as as God is because prior to this, I heard there was rumors that he was making an album that was similar to kind of like Absol and Mac Miller of questioning if God was a a woman and just women and femininity. Yeah. So that kind of was on my mind as well as the when he talks about the weakness and the wickedness of Oh. So that because the way society or it seems society is going is like he talks about of, you know, if you're compassionate, if you're caring, if you're loving, that's a weakness and it should it can be taken advantage of, manipulated and it's it's a weakness. Or is it yeah. So that's that's the reason why I took it, but that's a that's an interesting idea of of uh, Lady Justice, and that would tie in to Pimper Butterfly on the Afrocentric, you know, black movement. Yeah. Hmm. That, so I was just throw that out there. <laughs> I know it's a little far fetched, but dang it, you know. But hey, it it got me thinking. So I mean, I definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Anything else you want to say, man? Before we get out of here, um, I just want to ask you a quick question. Okay. Uh, with having it, I mean, you've had it for at least a couple couple of hours. Um, <laughs> how do you rank this with his his other albums and mixtapes? Hmm. Again, it is still very early, so I, I think very I need fresh, yeah. I need some more time to digest it because I've had so long with uh, Good Kid, Mad City, and To Pimper Butterfly that because mm-hmm. to me, I can't even really rank the two because to me both of those albums it's kind of how i said about the joey and this album is that to pimper butterfly and good kid mad city are to me classics there's no 
in my mind, there's no debating. There's no question. I've sat with them long enough. The music is that quality that it's a it's a classic. So that's, the, you know, that's the highest rank I can give it. But they're so different that I can't say one's better than the other because <laughs> to Pimper Butterfly gives me, you know, it, it takes me to places uh, that Good Kid and Mad City can't because of the funk elements, because of the jazz elements. Um, yeah. Just because of the content of so, being socially aware. We're good, Kid, Mad City, man. That's just—it's a movie. It's a, it's a good ass movie on on on, on wax. And <laughs> um, with this album, it's it's just so different. <laughs> and and that's what I love about Kendrick. And that's that's why he has to be put on the the pantheon of rappers, or, or not even rappers of artists, because artists, yeah, I agree. Because because of the diversity that he has. And how he takes it. So I, to be honest, man, I can't really rank it. But right now, if if I had to, just because it's new, so new, I would have to put "To Pimper Butterfly" and "Good Kid, Mad City" a tad edge over this one. But I think after a couple of months, it's gonna end up being either just with them or might pass them. What about you? I feel you. I respect that. <laughs> what about for you? Um, one of. I would agree with you on everything you said. I would probably, just because I've had more time with the other one, um, I would rank the Butterfly probably my number one, mm-hmm. and very, very, very close with um, Good Kid, Mad City. Mm. The Butterfly only because of how emotional that album made me feel during and after I listened to it. And, mm. You know when you. When you get the result, if no, if nobody's heard the album, I know everybody has who's listening, but if you haven't heard the album, it's great. Um, yeah, you're slipping. the end result is just amazing. So, uh-huh. And then I would put that third, but only because I I'm, I just have, you know, you need time to sit on it. I, I, I definitely, and actually, there's one more thing I do want to ask you because uh, I, I would like to get your opinion on this, is some of the, the feel of this album, to me, some of the tracks, it felt like Kendrick saying, to Drake, Big Sean, and others, uh, I'll leave the rest nameless, uh, that I can do what you guys are doing, but better, and still have content. That's how some of the songs came off to me, is like the, the type of production and the type of sound is like, uh, loyalty to, to me sounds like a song Drake would do. Except Drake wouldn't. Yeah. But Drake, <laughs> but, but Drake, but Drake lyrically or content wise, to me, doesn't match Kendrick. I'm not saying Drake is weak. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, content-wise, he's not a good as lyricist to me. And so that I, that's what that track kind of felt like to me. And there's other tracks that feel a little bit like that. What are you? Mm-hmm. Did, did you did you catch any of that, or is that? Yeah, yeah. I've listened to rap enough to be able to notice the nuances that other people have in their music and their flows. Uh-huh. Definitely, I can see that. Like, I don't necessarily cop call it copying i see it as him just throwing a little jab to like yeah. Drake or big sean like like yo i'm gonna do your flow and i'm just gonna make you like i'm gonna make you eat your words exactly and, and if you're throwing back you're gonna have to listen to this and <laughs> know i'm doing it <laughs> exactly that's exactly how i took it like you said i don't it's not copying it's it's saying it's isn't it's like an athlete saying okay oh you want to dunk on me okay i'm gonna dunk on you even better like you know it's just that level exactly. of competition of i'm gonna one-up you and i'm gonna one-up you on your own with your own shit <laughs> so that's that's yeah. another thing i took but again man i want to say thank you thank you for uh 
calling in. Also, uh, give out your Instagram. Give out give shout outs. Whatever shout outs you want to give, let them know. All right. Um, thank you so much for having me on, D Ray. Follow me, guys, on Instagram at running over over a hill. Also, shout out to my university, Humble State University. Shout out to Cedric. Um, thank you for having me once again, man. All right, no problem, man. Take it easy. All right. So again, thank you for listening to another Stay Woke podcast. This is D-Ray Brinson. You know our motto, live, listen to some great music, and above all, love more. King Kendrick's back.